Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode is brought to you by Nourish by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish is a personalized vitamin regimen customized to you. Backed by 45 years of science, they remove the guesswork from your vitamin regimen. With thousands of happy customers, Nourish is a trusted supplement brand by many. Visit Nourish.com to create your customized package today. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Fete and as always I'm joined by the man all the way from Siberia, Andrew Flint. Andrew? Andrew? Yeah, Andrew? Oh yeah, Pierce Andrew is not here today. Oh well, that's too bad. Oh Tim, Tim Bogdan Jeff joining me from Vancouver. It looks like it's just the two of us doing this podcast on the eve of Canada Day. You know, Huge commitment on our part to actually try to stay sober for, for most of this day. Uh, it's a big day for us tomorrow in this part of the world. And uh, I'm glad that you, you made it to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, man. Happy Canada Day. I'm very happy to be here. You're absolutely right. It is, it is a big time for Canadians uh, and everyone who lives in Canada. It's probably the biggest uh, weekend of um, uh, in, you know, in the party life of the country it's you know it's canada day everyone's so excited so celebratory um i'm on the other side i have this balance because my club just lost the biggest derby of uh oh, yeah see that's very sad yeah see i can't even find the words but um i'm, I'm happy to talk to you and uh, discuss uh not very pleasant experience which i just experienced um probably an hour ago but you're here you made the I commitment, uh, and that is remarkable. I have I have to warn everyone though. Um, ahead of this podcast, I mean, it's about nine o'clock. I'm not gonna lie. We want to go out tonight. Um, you, of course, with social distancing in mind, masks and in restaurants that allow us so beautiful day, so we can pretty much do it outside. But um, so we're gonna keep this short. <laughs> And uh, go in more depth when Andrew is back on this podcast. But Tim, we have a few things to discuss uh, before we release everyone into the nightlife, into the midweek nightlife. And if you're listening in from the United States, then you know you have a few days left until you can celebrate. Um, happy Fourth of July and all that. And if you're in Europe, well, I don't know, maybe you have some other holiday that you want to celebrate. But um, a few things to discuss. We were talking last week, and you named last week the most scandalous. Match day in Russian football. I mean, it was so scandalous that it was actually the name of our podcast. And seeing that no one actually messaged us in angry letters, that said, I, I didn't check the mailbox for a week, so maybe someone did, but no one actually said that you were wrong. Um, so I guess it was, but mm. Sochi 
absolutely destroying the boys from Rostov 10-1. Left a bit of a sour taste, especially because they were teams that uh, accepted not playing um, in, in those circumstances. Now, the news this week, of course, was that Orenburg couldn't play because they had eight COVID-19 um, positive tests and they came to an agreement um, that they would not travel and play um, on this match day and that the match that, that they would be playing would be postponed. Um, that seems a bit more logical, doesn't it? No, it's actually, it wasn't postponed. They got a 3 nothing, uh loss. Oh, uh, never mind they did, <laughs> they, Because they didn't show up to the game. So uh, last uh, episode, I was furious about the way the league handled this, uh, what I called scandal. This is, I, I had part one, part two, and part three. This is part four. So like when in exactly identical situations, the league treated a scenario completely different. And this is the fourth step. So the first time Rostov played with uh, kids against Sochi, then uh, Krasnodar versus Dynamo game was postponed. Then uh, Ufa allegedly, again, allegedly, we still don't know that, uh, had an infected player and just put him in quarantine. And he wasn't in the match day squad, so they hide the player and uh, he didn't play. Now, Orenburg has, like you said, eight staff uh, infected uh, with positive uh, COVID tests and um, they can show up to the game and they get the loss. So we have exactly the same roughly scenarios when a a team has positive COVID test and we have four absolutely Polar, not I wouldn't say polar, but like different decisions mm. in the circumstances. So it, it it brings it really to a very interesting situation than what the league is doing. Like honestly, like like yeah. uh, me and you before the podcast, we chatted a lot about Bundesliga. And recently Bundesliga finished. Uh, besides Dynamo Dresden, who is in Bundesliga 2, Nobody had infections. Everyone paid uh, uh, social distancing. The league really... Huh. Figured out everything self. Everything was organized, and there was no. Look at the Russian Premier League. Posh. Well, it, to, to clarify, there were positive cases in in Germany, but that was before the um, quarantine process, right? And those tests. That's why Dynamo Dresden were. You know, the, the the problem in Germany was that the different health authorities handled the cases a little bit different. And in Dynamo Dresden's case, it was very rough because. Club was put in two weeks quarantine, whereas in, in other localities in Germany, the quarantine was only for the players that tested positive. Um, we had a lot of false ne- false positives in German football as well. This is something that uh, we find more and more, right? People test positive and then negative uh, in a second try. The the point stands to, uh, Tim, I, I'm with you, because what German football did, they basically tried to catch all the positive tests before they started playing again, Right. Because they they did all the testings and then they went into a two week bubble. Um, all the clubs went to a two week bubble where they're completely self isolated, and um, which meant that if there were positive cases, you could take them out and you know if you had to, players would miss those games. But it didn't lead to all of a sudden eight or nine players from one club testing positive. Um, you know the day before a match, and that seems very different in this regard. What also seems different, and this is this is what I don't understand. the The previous example was Dynamo Moscow against Krasnodar, right, where the game got postponed. This is Orenburg against Krasnodar, 
why is it different? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Like, I, I was hoping like, for an answer here, but apparently <laughs> we don't have one. <laughs> you know, it's a funny because like poor Krasnodar, they, they haven't played the game since. We, we, we already did two episodes of Football Grand. And the, the guys haven't even kicked the ball. Yeah. Poor Krasnodar, like they're they're just like suffering with those uh, games. They're probably you know getting ready to play, but they yeah. So absolutely. Tim, uh, when we when we talk about the restart of different leagues, and I tweeted this out very recently that the, the Bundesliga is the great example of how you restart a sports league, and I think that you look at the Premier League and La Liga and Serie A, and I think they more or less got it they more or less understood the Bundesliga concept and obviously talked to Christian Seifert, who we basically have to thank for this restart. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, it almost appears that we have Russia and the United States and that they are almost rushing to return, even though they A, don't have the, they don't have the environment to do it because cases are on the rise. The Absolutely. cities that they're playing in are not safe, right? Um, I'm not saying that places in Germany or in England, in England in particular are safe, but it appears like you can m more safely create a bubble or in places like Germany, Spain and, and in Italy, the virus is still bubbling below the surface, but you can sort of contain it. Whereas in, in Russia and in the United States, and I have to throw those two countries together. I mean, the joke is that they're governed by the same person, but that's a different story altogether. But it almost appears like that everything that's going on in Russia right now, throw, sorry to throw you such a curveball. We're talking about MLS coming back. We're talking about MLB coming back. We're talking about basketball. And I mean, you probably saw some of the pictures that circulated today about um, MLS players arriving on Orlando. <laughs> of all places. Mm -hmm. And we we have now two weeks of Russian football. Um, today was match day 25. So we're basically two and a half weeks because today is actually fully a match day. Is this a warning for everyone else? You know how Germany was the bright example of how to do it. And this is basically, is, is this the example of how not to do it? Unfortunately, yes, it is. Because the I think the Russian league uh, screwed it up. I don't think I don't think there's you know a nice way of saying that because the numbers of really like just look at the name of the, our previous episode uh, because really the return was scandalous mm. uh, with all those uh, decisions and whatever you know it just in the end of the day it's just sport it's three points two points one points who cares but the most important it's people's health yeah. and it's players' health who earn their living with. Um, we've played football, and if their lungs are affected, um, it puts you know it might have a effect on their future career and potential you know earning earning possibility. So I hundred percent agree, and I exactly like Germany is is the best example, and uh, everything was done so nicely. I like I, I was all, I'm always joking that your biggest. Uh, Bundesliga's biggest uh, scandal was that Heiko Henrich went uh, went outside to buy uh, to buy a toothpaste. This is the biggest scandal. We have people infected actually, and like the games are not not going on. Uh, um, uh, so I think 
yeah, I think this is the bad example, and I, I'm not sure if this is the right solution for MLS to come back, especially given in circumstances. Hmm. I don't want to get into politics too much and into virusology because I don't have enough information. But by the sounds of it, Germany was ready because I think, if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Germany came back on the 64th day after the uh, curve was flattened, after the cases went down. Yeah. On the 64th day, I think that's correct. The other teams, oh sorry, the other leagues, I don't think Russia Russia uh, flattened the curve. I mm. don't think states flattened the curve. No. Uh, again, the I'm curve sure. is flat, Tim, but on a high level. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, like, you know, I understand there's financial, you know, implications of that, but uh, obviously but, in the big politics, money wins, but... Is there though, how much money can Russian football make? Because we, we both know the, the financials of Russian football quite well. And it isn't like the Bundesliga where you have to, earn, you know, the biggest income for Bundesliga teams, 80% of the income comes from television money. And we're talking television money, yearly revenue, um, just from the domestic rights of 1.2 billion. Going forward, it's going to be 1.16 billion. It's marginally less than it used to be. That is, you know, that is a reason to play. But Russian football doesn't have that television money. And a lot of the income comes from, um, match tickets sold. A lot of the income comes from, and you mentioned this in, in a previous podcast from the VIP boxes. Yes. Right. But those, I mean, yeah, some of them are sold. I mean, we saw the, the wonderful uh, TIFO that Zenit put up, right? With the, you probably seen the picture as well with the the the, the fans in the in the mask and the the COVID the COVID virus in the hand, and it just explodes, and then there's a football in the hand. You've seen it, right? <laughs> right. Um, so there is some fans in the stands, but it's so limited. I I I don't understand the the mechanisms that that are behind this financially. You know, to be honest, I don't understand that as well. I don't think, especially like we always talk, you know, we, we always talk that most of the clubs in Russia, except Krasnodar, are either big corporation sponsored, like Spartak, Zenit, CSKA, or, or Lokomotiv, or they're uh, government sponsored. So, you know, like, it's 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 not like those four thousand like for example today I watched the derby game against yeah. uh, and Spartak played last weekend uh, out of forty thousand so they let in ten percent uh, four thousand like how much of the match revenue does it really it brings in like I don't I don't think this like recoups for anything so this decision of really continuing the league when you know when the situation in the country is not really uh, like we said not flatten the curve. Well, again, we're going back to what we spoke for the past two two podcasts. I don't want to repeat mm. myself because I, I feel like I've I've talked about this again. But um, uh, again, we feel like it's not the right thing to resume. Uh, we don't really know the exact financial implications of that, but yeah. we see the results. We see the results that the players, professional players, are suffering. They're getting infected. They have to quarantine themselves, or in the worst case scenario, to go to hospital and treat uh, COVID. And um, I really fear for some of the players because we only had t two weeks of football, and there's 
way more games to play. So, yeah. oh, yeah, it's. I mean, we're going to talk about the the upcoming games in, in just a moment, but it's it almost seems like the government is trying to fake some sense of normalcy. When yes. and it almost makes it worse, though, doesn't it? And I, I, that's why I find this parallel to North America so fascinating. It's almost, and I know that Trump brought in the the heads of the different sports leagues and said, like, look, we need to play because you know, good for business, all that. Um, and I almost get the sense that it's almost the same in this example. It's this fake sense of normalcy. It's like, remember when we joked about, um, Lukashenko in Belarus? You know, you can cure COVID-19 with, with what was a vodka driving tractor and yeah. exercise. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's almost the same, just scarier because it's such a big country and such a powerful country and, um, has so much influence. So. Yeah, it's you see it. I mean, we every match day, it's every match day. You get the sense that it isn't normal because you know you have you have this decision that um, that Orenburg lost three nil on the green table, as you so nicely say in German, right? The the grüne Tisch. Um, you had the decision that Krasnodar didn't get to play the match before because Dynamo and them decided that they didn't have to. Then you had that ten one against um, between Rostov and Sochi. It's just, you, you, it's such a slap in the face and you, you really sense that it just isn't quite normal. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll get to talk a little bit more about all of this, uh, when we get, when we proceed in the podcast. But it's, it really sets the stage nicely for what's going on and for some of the things that we, some of the themes that are going on, I guess, anywhere in the world. But, uh, speaking about crazy, Tim, um, <laughs> good transition, Marlon. This is fitting because we talked about this gentleman of the podcast last week and we discussed, we, we actually started talking about this gentleman last week of the pod because we talked about the Erling Haaland's father and how his career was ended by this gentleman playing for Manchester United. And we're talking about Roy Keane and Roy Keane is in talks. Are you ready for this, Tim? Are you mentally prepared for what's coming out of my mouth next? <laughs> All right. Surprise me. Okay. He is, he is in talks to become the next national team coach of Azerbaijan. Wow. <laughs> this is not uh, fake news. We have this from reputable sources. It was not in the sun or any of those other newspapers. It's, it's, it's true. It's, uh, it's a real thing. He has 24 hours to decide whether or not he's going to take the job. He has to fly to Azerbaijan, quarantine when he arrives, make the decision on a contract, and then fly back to the UK, where he's a television pundit, by the way, and Premier League is going on, and decide to take this job. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> it's, I don't know where to, to begin. Like, Rukin, well, he, well, he had his spell as a, as a manager. He was helping. He was working with the Irish team. But to be honest, I don't really know. Like, he's supposed to be in his, like, you know, he started his career. He was a beginning manager. Now he is getting, got some experience. And maybe it's time for him to get a good job. 
But I don't think that Azerbaijan is really like a, a right destination. Nothing against Azerbaijan, but if he, he had experience of coaching in Premier League and working with the national team is as an assistant manager, then maybe you can get like uh, a job like maybe in, 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 in the league to work. But to be honest, I tried to look this up and I couldn't find an answer to this question because I looked for the list of Azerbaijan uh, managers who went there and I didn't find anyone who came out of Azerbaijan job and like went, you know, that was like a, how hmm. you call it, like when you come to a, a lower league and then you go to the better league, yeah. a step up, step up job. I don't think, I don't think that happened. Yeah. So it's a dead end uh, job. Let's name it what it is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Martin. Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, we all know that that's what it is. You go take a job in Azerbaijan. I, I I'm with you. You are not going you're not going to climb the career ladder after this. It's unless you're doing something miraculously um but which is very hard. I mean when you look at the reasons why um why Yusevich, the previous coach, parted, among the things that he named was the fact that there is no proper league set up with the the problem is with just the eight teams, uh, not enough investment in, in the club football. Um yeah, I mean, the list is long. You know, he just, he, he cited, uh, problems with travel. He cited problems with, um, he also complained about the human rights problems. It, the infrastructure is improving in the country. And, uh, I mean, we, we've seen that. We've seen teams from Azerbaijan going a little bit deeper in, in international competitions. But I mean, I'm, I'm 100% with you. It's not exactly, unless you, do something crazy, right? Like qualify from international tournament, but that's really hard if you Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan doesn't have a generation like this. And also, one more caveat to that is like it's just like the I know quite a few Azerbaijani people, and they're southern, uh, hot. Like I mean, like emotional people, um, energetic, and you know that the style which Roy Keane we know, we all know him for i don't think this is the right management for the azerbaijan team the azerbaijan people they're all about community about uh building a team together and i don't think roykin is all about that he he is like you know like we all know how he works yeah so i really like this is such a weird piece of news which we heard recently so yeah We'll see. I so, so you're basically telling me Azerbaijan is not the island of uh, the former Soviet Union. <laughs> good, good comparison. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, it was it was worth a try, I guess. Um, he had has managed before Sunderland and Ipswich Town. Um, his record was okay: one point four five points for Sunderland in a hundred games per game and uh, 1.37 points for Ipswich town. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's probably, I, I would be surprised if this goes across the line. Yeah. 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 Me too. And if it does, uh, then it will be when it like, there's a clear disaster uh, awaiting. <laughs> yeah. I think so. And I'm glad you're bringing up clear disasters because that's our next topic is a clear disaster. This is a story that I personally find 
a little bit sad. Kapati Lviv um, are going to be withdrawn, it appears, from the Ukrainian Premier League. And this is sad on so many levels because although the club has been, how am I going to put this in a nice way, poorly run for many years, Ownership, we have talked about ownership in Ukrainian football is very complex. Um, they were one of the teams that Ihor Kolomoisky had his fingers in. He owned 50% of the club as he owned many clubs in Ukrainian football, which all have had that same faith as the peers. At the end of the day, we all remember what happened to Dnepro, right? So this is the latest yeah, yeah. team in Ukrainian football that appears to go at least in the short term, is going to disappear. And we all know the various reasons of why Ukrainian football struggles. I mean, some of it is political. Uh, some of it has to do with the still ongoing conflict between uh, Russia and Ukraine in, in the Donbass. And uh, I know you don't like to talk about this very much because, you know, it's it's very conflicting with, with your friends and the community that you live in in Vancouver, which is very Ukrainian-Russian, is very combined. Yeah. And I get that. I really understand it. So I'm going to only touch on that subject because I know it's, it's not black and white. It's extremely complex. And it seems like that, you know, this is just the latest victim of Ukrainian football. And it's, it's so meant so sad because this is a team that's won the, the Soviet cup. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. it really represents that entire region, a beautiful region. I got to visit it a few years ago and I, I know, you know that I lived in Ukraine for some time and yeah, really a club that has a lot of history. I remember the games against Borussia Dortmund and the Europa league and they're very, very good side at the time, but it seems like that the depth has just grown too much. Now they have a new owner, um, Ole Smalichuk is trying to take over the club, but, um, the restructuring has been very difficult and it's, they weren't even able to play their last league game, um, because of financial reasons, weren't able to travel. And it no looks like they're going to withdraw the team, restructure, probably with a new name and, uh, reappear in the second division or first league in Ukrainian football. Sad news, Tim. Because that team was like really in 2000s was the club which, you know, one of the leaders of the Karpat, of, oh, sorry, of the Ukrainian division league. Um, I wish Vadim was here to discuss really and give us a little bit more perspective yeah. on that because to be honest, I don't know much. But it's, um, it is like usually when we touch Ukrainian football and problems in Ukrainian football. Unfortunately, yeah, like it's still affected by the politics, by the war and everything what's happening. And uh, yeah, like you said, I don't really like it. It's very hard to have an opinion on that without uh, living there, without, have, you know, having the proper information. Uh, so I try to stay away from this. But regardless of that, you know, living, losing clubs like this, it's... It's sad. And uh, last time we had Vadim on, uh, we were talking about Ukrainian football, and I really noticed, and I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, I looked at the top half of the table, like they do have the, this mm. playoffs now when they have to. And there were some really, like, teams which I didn't really, like, I wouldn't say I didn't recognize because I heard of them. But I didn't see them as, like, the top teams of Ukrainian football. And that gives me another perspective that really they, not, not everything is great. 
unfortunately, in Ukraine. Then I looked at Dynamo Kiev squad, and there's so many youngsters, and you know, hmm. any club could go through through uh, through the rebuild. But it seems like really, the Ukrainian football right now is in a tough spot, and this is another example of potentially that you know things are not so well in uh, in Ukraine, and that's sad because we had so many fun times with Shakhtar, with Dynamo Kiev playing in Europe, playing in Champions League, and really representing their country amazingly. And right now, you know, they need competition. They need uh, to strengthen their squad. And looks like, yeah, it's not happening. So not very happy times for Karparta Lviv. And mm. um, overall, there's some problems in Ukrainian football. Yeah, it's really sad. I mean, you, you touched on a few of those things. Shakhtar Donetsk um, are the champions. They won the title um 14 points ahead of Dynamo Kiev so comprehensively very easily Shakhtar Donetsk are a very good side so don't take that away from them but it seems seems like they don't have much of a competition in that league and Kapati are last with just 13 points um they're five points behind Olympic Donetsk and yeah there is a lot of team names missing Metalis Harkiv gone Nepo gone yes right yes and these are teams that were big clubs in, in europa league in europa league and champions league you know these were teams that did very well and i think you look at it and you, i mean Dynamo kiev are struggling financially at the moment as well this is a team that hasn't been managed well for many decades and uh Schachter Donetsk are well managed and they're still in the europa league i mean we go probably a few weeks from now we're going to talk about europa league and champions league tournaments they're facing uh, Wolfsburg at home um, before they're going to play the entire Europa League tournament in Germany. Then we spoke about that actually in, in quite some length on the Gegenpressing podcast. But, um, you know, they still have to host Wolfsburg in that return match. But, you know, these are teams that have always done well and in Schachter's case still do well. So you really do hope um, that it gets better, um, that there is going to be some sort of revival of of the league and of the competition because it is a competition that we enjoy and we did enjoy Shakhtar Donetsk at the highest level and uh, sadly it is a lot of it is due to politics and this is a very political podcast Tim so um, <laughs> maybe we should talk at least a little bit about football what do you think um, I agree let's do it let's bring up some of the the match days and this is two match days so if you're a little confused about why we're talking about two match days and one and why we're not completely finishing match day 25 it's canada day come on we're not gonna do a podcast on wednesday so um the matches that you are missing from this podcast we'll just talk about next week and we're not gonna talk about all the matches because honestly andrews that's andrew's job and we don't know where he is so <laughs> we have to kind of improvise a little bit but tim the let's start with the moscow derby the small Moscow derby, you have to yeah, say. Yeah, not the big one. The small one, because we have two Moscow derbies to talk about. I know you only want to talk about the one, but <laughs> you'll have to do both. I'm sorry. Um, zero, zero. I mean, this wasn't exactly a cracker of a match between yeah. Dynamo and CSKA Moscow. What was your thoughts on this game? Yeah, Dynamo Tiska had a 0-0 tie, but there was a very interesting story what happened with uh, Tiska coach uh, Gancherenka after they lost uh, to Zenit uh, 0-4 and they were completely 
destroyed Gancherenko pretty much took off he's from Belarus he took off to Belarus and that was the story for the whole week he was away and nobody really knew what was happening mm. because he apparently he had some health issues but at the same time there were some rumors that he was extremely mad at his team that because they absolutely just were destroyed by Zenit for nothing and uh, he took off and he apparently he allegedly he uh, was not gonna come back uh, to be the coach. So uh, for that game, Dynamo Moscow against CSKA uh, Moscow, um, Avchinikov, who is the legendary Russian goalkeeper, he was the uh, who is assistant coach to Gancherenko. He was the coach, and CSKA really took a different approach against Zenit. They they tried to play attacking football, and they were really uh, caught out on that, and they let in four goals. Uh, against Dynamo, they played completely different. They played super, super defensively. And this is the result, 0-0. Uh, so Avchinikov, that was his first, first game in charge of CSKA uh, in this game. And it was really uncertain what will happen next because uh, their coach, the main coach, the uh, the manager, took off uh, Gancherenko. But he, uh, a little bit of spoiler alert, he came back for the big Moscow derby against Spartak, which happened today. And we'll talk a little bit about later. So, interesting story about Dynamo versus Tsiska. Uh, zero zero result. Uh, Dynamo again against after after the quarantine they were allowed to play. So that's another story that you know the previous game against Krasnodar was uh, postponed to July 19th. This time they were allowed to play. So again a different uh, decision from the league. Uh, and the interesting story with Tsiska again, like the the game was probably very boring, but at the same time there was two interesting stories. Dynamo played again football finally, and Tsiska were really in the middle between Gancherenko leaving or not leaving. He's not being at the game, so it was a very uh, strange situation. So now you have me on my toes. Should we just like dive right into the big derby before we talk about the other matches because? Yeah. He's come back. He came back. He came back. That was interesting. And he managed uh, the uh, Tsiska against uh, Spartak. And as much as it pains me, but uh, Tsiska won the game uh, 2-0. I just finished watching this game. Uh, unfortunately, and may... Well, the regular listeners know that I'm not very biased about Spartak. But I would say that was probably the most... the the One of the least quality derbies which I've seen in a while. Uh, there was no fans. Like, there was uh, 10% of the capacity. So there was some CSKA fans in the audience who really supported that team and they did great. But at the same time, it wasn't compared to a sold-out 30 or 40,000 stadium. Uh, also, the clubs, both clubs, are really going through somewhat of a, of a rebuild. Um, Long-term, short-term, but... Uh, the average age, I don't know how, how much was it, but it's really like most of the players are around 21, 22 mm -hmm. years and they don't have much experience. So the quality was there, but uh, I have to admit, uh, as much as the biggest derby in in the season for us, for, for Spartak fans, uh, Tsiska, I think they were a better team. Uh, I think they deserved that I would call it one nothing victory because the second the, the second goal is like when Spartak really went as a whole team they went they went uh, up front and everyone won was were, uh, it was a, a set piece and everyone went went up, went up front and then Ceska scored another goal so it wasn't really uh, two nothing win but uh, yeah 
Cisco was better maybe by a goal, but like I said, it was probably the least entertaining derby in years because because of the fans, because fans usually create the atmosphere, and really right now the both teams are not really in their top conditions. But um, Cisco, I, I would say they were better and they deserved the win. So right now this results uh, makes uh, the table pretty clear. Spartak, Ufa. They were those two clubs kind of around at Dynamo, around trying to get to Europa League to the fifth spot, uh, to the automatic promotion. And uh, by this victory, CSKA really extended their lead to eight points mm. from uh, from Spartak to CSKA. And there's no there's no chance that Spartak gonna catch uh, CSKA at this moment. That was a crucial game. So the only way Spartak is to get to Europe is to uh, win in semi final against Zenit on July 19th and then uh, win the cup final. So only there was the only way for the cup. Unless Zenit wins the cup, right? Because that spot then goes back to the league. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Then this, so that's... Uh, yeah, exactly. So Spartak, if either we, get, we have to win the cup or we have to lose to Zenit and hope that Zenit will win. But what happened cup. to Goncharenko? Do we know? He... It was so weird, man. There was a, pre, a pre-match uh, interview and the journalist he was brave enough to ask him, so where were you? Like, what happened? And he's like, I think we should focus on the, on the, on the match today, not talk about myself. And like, he's avoided everything. It's clearly like there's like reports. He left Moscow. He went to Belarus and like, um, so he wasn't there. And like his assistant managed the game against Dynamo. So clearly he wasn't there. And uh, he tried to joke around and like he, the, the actual journalist did such a good thing, like in a pretty much interview, he asked him three times in a different circumstances, like what happened? Where were you? Mm. Like, how was the team? And he, every time he was really vague about uh, what happened, he's like, let's focus on the game. I didn't manage a Dynamo game, but I have all the information and we will make uh, decisions tonight based on what happened in the game. And he was so awake. So, like, it was very interesting. It, it, nobody knows. Like, probably later we will know what happened. But, really, it looks like after the game against Zenit, he took off. He went back to Belarus. He didn't want to come back. Uh, Avchinikov managed the game against Dynamo. And then, I assume, probably Giner, who is a very yeah. good um, manager of people, um, made him come back and managed the game against Sky and, oh, sorry, against Spartak. And they won the derby. So, maybe right now, he is back, so it's it's still a little bit of a drama. We have to add that he has a history of doing this. He has yes. disappeared before, Goncharenko. I mean, last time, yeah, he, 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 he didn't come back last time. I remember, actually, I covered that story at the time. And he does, I don't want to say run away from obligations, because that's not the quite right word. But he is someone that if things go wrong in a very bad way, he will disappear. Because when the whole thing at uh, Yekaterinburg, at Oral, went down, and we later found out it was about match-fixing, right? He he left the club for... um, He went to Belarus. He went home. 
Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Just like this time. It seems to be the thing that he does that, you know, and I think when he was in Krasnodar at Kuban, he did something similar. It's, it's, it's very strange because, you know, usually like you can do to such a dramatic thing, you know, when things are like when you, like, for example, uh, what's the reminder? What's the coach of Schalke? Uh, the current coach. Yeah. Yeah. The, the guy who's from the David Wagner. Uh, the, the, that's what he should do. He should run away and disappear because they lost how many? 16 games in a row or something. Yeah. Like, it's a, like he lost a one game against Zenit for nothing. The first game after comeback from the quarantine. Of course, losing to Zenit 0-4 is not the best result. But, like, really, like, is this, like, the end of the world? No, it isn't. So, to me, it was very surprising. Zenit, that something he... else must be going on because... Exactly. Ex- exactly. That's what I'm thinking. There's something else going on which we don't know. And that's, yeah. why, that's why he was so vague in his uh, press conference uh, um, ahead of the derby against Partak. So, I think there's something happening which we don't know. And that's why we don't really cannot judge. But it was weird that the guy just disappeared for a week and then came back and he's a head coach again. Yeah, that he's still the head coach. I guess that's good sign for whatever happened because the last two times he disappeared and then he showed up at a different club. Yeah. So it is, he is an interesting character in, uh, in a lot of ways. And I think he is someone who acts on principle, which in football is not always easy. <laughs> it's not something yeah. that you can, that you can always do, but yeah, that's, I mean, at least we got our title there, Tim. <laughs> Where was Victor Goncharenko? Exactly. Yeah. Boom. That's a good title for that Done. episode. Um, but we have, before we go, I mean, I do want to talk about Rostov and the way that they bounce back from really was a humiliating result, that 10-1. Um, talk me through their 2-1 victory against Tula and how did they manage, because this is only really a week later, how did they manage to overcome a two-week quarantine period and play play this game? Yeah, it was a, a week between two games, but like the uh, the actual uh, positive test was done a few days before the Sochi game. So I think that's how they managed to do it. But they... Um, 
Rostov were able to really put up the the first team squad, not mm. the players from 2003 um, uh, <laughs> squad. Yeah, uh, but. Um, their coach Valeri Karpin, he was very vocal about this whole situation because he was rightfully really, so. rightfully so. He was he was on Instagram and he was really commenting on the situation, what happened to Dynamo or Krasnodar and to all of the games because like really like they were they were treated unfair. And uh, what happened is that the player whose name is Bayramian, he was um, identified that he was the initial. Um, reason who got the first uh, virus, who who the player who brought the virus to the team. But um, he obviously didn't train for a while, but Valery Karpiv, who was extremely vocal about this whole uncertain situation, I think he made the point. So Baramian started the game on the bench, but then he came on the second half. Yeah, I and I think it, it was all about just making a point. It wasn't about like that, that the game needed Barryman. Maybe he had this tactical decision, but I'm pretty sure it was all about just making a point, bringing him on. And uh, Rostov won with the, the, their squad. Um, exactly, like after losing to the one of the worst teams in the league, 10-1, uh, they won against the Gant Arsenal Tula, who is around fighting for Europa League. So how crazy this result 10-1 was, and uh, I'm happy that Rostov is back. They're healthy. You know, Rostov is such a badass team. I have this sense that if they face adversity, they, as a club, are very well equipped to deal with it. Remember when they almost won the title? The players weren't paid for months. And they still, you know, got out of that situation, qualified for the Champions League, qualified for the group stage, beat Bayern Munich in the, in the group stage. I mean, this is a club that almost lifts off that adversity. They almost need it. And you say it so well because they bounce back from really what it was. The entire process was humiliating. It was a scandal exactly. of, of the, exactly. the, the biggest magnitude. I mean, you're quite right. The way you said it in the last the last show, I, I think, hit it, hit it on the point. I mean, it was a scandal. They come back and Karpin <laughs> proves a point. That, that's what he does, right? And you look at the table. I mean, they must be absolutely furious because exactly. they were basically robbed of three points. Their goal differential, instead of being a plus seven, is, oh, sorry, instead of being um, a plus six, it's a minus three. And, or could be more, right? Because they probably would have beaten Sochi under normal circumstances. You have to remember they're fourth in the standings. We're talking, it's it's Champions League, right? Exactly, exactly. There's more money involved. Like, yeah, like this whole situation that Rostov is just absolutely ridiculous and uh, the way the league handled this I don't want to come back to the previous previous mm. episode if you really want to hear me ranting about this go to the previous episode there's there's enough of that but um, Rostov they, they've been robbed and it's so unfair and I'm glad that this time they won and actually they they played the full squad team and that by Ramian who came on it's 100% was just like a a sign to the league. Yeah, here we go. Here we're back, and don't don't screw us over. Big game tomorrow for them on Wednesday against Krasnodar. Um, yeah, Krasnodar, as you said. I mean, 
Speaking about unfair, they haven't played in two games. Although they were gifted three points, which we still haven't quite figured out why. Uh, yes. And I mean, this is for Rostov, another slap in the face. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, this team is, and I, I, I don't want to necessarily criticize Krasnodar because they, it's one of the few good clubs in Russia. You know what I mean? In terms mm-hmm. of how they run, they, they, they're not out there to screw everyone else. That's just not in their DNA. But for Rostov, they must be failing so hard done by. Um, by this decision. But on the other hand, this is a huge opportunity for them because this is Krasnodar's first game. Yeah, I agree with you because the Krasnodar, what they could have done, they said, okay, listen, like if you say that we can't play the game, how about we just go for a loss of 3-0 yeah. instead of 1-10 and our goal difference is going to be better. Like it's it's just like it just they, they must be so upset. But yeah, right now they're in a better position because uh, really like if they win against Krasnodar this coming game, they really get close to the Champions League. And Champions League is a completely different, uh, obviously, mm. financial situation. So this game tomorrow, which uh, will happen tomorrow, uh, it's it's interesting for the whole uh, competition for the Champions League. Also, given the Lokomotiv lost points, so it becomes really a bit interesting. So we have this probably... I think I would say that uh, Lokomotiv, Rostov, and Krasnodar... Uh, trying to get the uh, Champions League spots is probably the biggest drama we have right now in the in the Russian league. Yeah, I would hundred percent agree. I mean, we would have now talked a little bit about Ural against Tampov, um, <laughs> but um, our biggest Ural fan on the planet isn't here. The three big points for them, though, because they were looking a little bit to. I mean, they still are in that relegation zone, but um, beating Tampov. It is important for them uh, because the relegation battle, you know, you were already mentioning, we know pretty much who's going to win the title. We know who's going to be in Europe, although we don't know who's going to play where in Europe because, you know, local to CSKA, maybe not CSKA, but I would say local to Rostov, local yeah. Krasnodar Rostov, one, two of those three will be playing in the Champions League. And that's going to be very interesting to watch. But the relegation battle is still quite open at this stage. Yeah, and the interesting thing, which the interesting news which happened this uh, week, and again, that was just like the state of Russian football, is that remember how we talked in the previous couple episodes? We were not sure what Himki is gonna do. Mm. Uh, they were, they they won the legal promotion to the Premier League, but apparently they didn't have enough money, and they had, didn't have enough money to the state that they even not. We're thinking of going to the uh, Premier League. They are actually thinking of going down. Yeah. Even they won the promotion because they didn't really have the sponsors. But finally, they, it looks like they found the sponsors. And uh, they are planning to play Premier League now. So that means that there, uh, there are some changes to the relegation battle. So before that, before they were uh, confident that they can play Premier League, there was only one relegation spot, but if the Hinky will go and they can uh, get qualified to play in the Premier League, uh, and I mean qualified not by the mm-hmm. football results, by their um, um, infrastructure, if they can allow to play to the Premier League, then now there's two spots which get relegated, and that makes the relegation battle a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now we have Krylia Sevetov and Arenburg on the last two spots. Um, so yeah, we have to see, but obviously, yeah, this is, this is another twist that like Himki just this, this week, they decided, okay, we're not going to, 
the third tier, we actually gotta try to play Premier League football. <laughs> so like it changes the the relegation battle. So it's again, it's 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 Russian football is weird, <laughs> strange, and interesting. Yeah, Period. it definitely is. I mean, this is why we do this podcast. Um, Tim, just to clarify before we go, there is no promotion relegation playoffs this year, right? Exactly, yeah. Not this year. They decided to scrap it because because of the whole COVID situation. So it's going to be just two. If, if Himki decide to go uh, to Premier League uh, and they can qualify in terms of finances and infrastructure, and yeah, by infrastructure, well, I mean your yeah. favorite stadium. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, so if they can do that, then then yeah, there's two relegation spots, which are right now occupied by Krylia Savietov and Orenburg. All right. Well, Himki back in the Premier League. Um, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. Uh, I have covered a Champions League game there, CSKA against Manchester United. So, you know, it's um, it can be done. It can be done. Um, but yeah, Tim, that's it. We've done it. We've done an Andrew-less podcast. I feel like we've covered a lot, covered a lot of interesting topics. We've gotten a little bit emotional and political which I think is quite all right for the show. We often do it. But um, where can people find you? Yeah, people can find me on Instagram, Rocket from Russia, on uh, Twitter, Russian Team 61 And good news, we slowly you know, start uh, doing uh, shows back, like uh, live music again, and we play in a very limited capacity show on Saturday. Uh, it's going to be very, very limited. It's already sold out because mm. there's so many, like just a few spots. But the, the good thing that the, the music is slowly coming back, live music is slowly coming back in a social distancing manner. So it's going to be very, very safe. But at the same time, I think it's a good, good news. Um, well, at least for Canadians in Vancouver, that yeah. we slowly can do events and we can come back again in a limited capacity, but it's better than nothing. You know, Tim. I think we're so fortunate in so many ways that we get to live where we live at the moment, you know, here on, on, in British Columbia, where we've trusted the health officials. We trusted Dr. Boney Henry. Shout out to her. She is the captain on a ship that is steering without a radar and without any sight through a heavy fog. And she's doing a tremendous job and. I chose that because we, I know we have listeners from all around the world. Um, it shows that listen to your health officials, listen to the people who know what they're doing because we can only get through this together. And I don't mean just here in Canada, I mean around the world. You know, you know that when there is no COVID, you know that I split my time between here and Europe. I go back and forward all the time and it really shows that the countries that have done well are the ones that listen to their health officials and they're not perfect. You know, they have to make decisions on the fly and they have to make difficult decisions. And sometimes these decisions will make you angry. And I have moments where I don't like decisions that are made, but I follow them because these people know a heck of a lot more than I do. And at the end of the day, it means that you can go back and do your concerts. We can have a Canada day tomorrow that, you know, we can not enjoy with a lot of friends, but at least some friends. And I think that shows you it works. So yeah, if, if you listen to this podcast, if you're still listening to this podcast at this point, do us all a favor, stay inside, keep your distance, wear your mask if you're required to so by health officials, uh, wash your hands and be safe. 
Well, Tim, that's it. We're done. Until next week, everyone. Das wird dann hier. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.